And with that, oh, we're back with another episode of Flippin' F1, where four fun boys fire off about F1, and the circus finds its way to the shores of Sochi, Russia, and there's really only one way to sum it all up. O-M-G. We saw history emerging, only to be supplanted by history made, a mind-boggling set of circumstances and situations, and in the end, the leaderboard looked almost like every other race. Our post-race products feature goofball games, candid commentary, accessible analysis, not to mention my usual avalanche of alliteration. We'll break down this past week's race and talk about the circuit and surrounding area, dig a little deeper into the world's most legendary motorsport. And even though we've been doing this for a few weeks, our panel has decided to stick with it anyways. So, as always, I'm your host that keeps it close, Randy. And joining me here in the studio is our usual panel of fanboys. Joining us first, of course, is our regular Merc Slam boy, who we all know and love, the fun-loving, wine-swilling, fact-spewing, joy-eliciting lecturer himself, our absent-minded professor, Phil Tier. Hey, what's happening, man? Wow, that was a nail-biter, let me tell you. Excited to be here and happy to lecture away. Talking about Randy's intro of you or the actual well, a little race? Bit of both, well, right? kind of both, really. There we have it. And we've already started talking over each other before we've got into it. This is it. And of course, coming from the left coast, the man for whom coffee is just the only reason that he gets up to these races, Andrew Spencer. How you doing, bye? Pretty good, Randy. How are you? Pretty yeah. excited. We've got one more 5 a.m. wake-up call this week. And then we start doing some North American-focused races, at least ones in our own time zone. Very excited about it. Flyaways? No. I think I'm just going to start texting you at 5 a.m. just to make you feel comfortable. No way. We've got the U.S., we've got Mexico, we've got Brazil, and then some night races. I'm very excited. Of course, and rounding us out, the barrister of balance, the solicitor of speed, the counselor of curbs, our tech junkie and rules interpreter extraordinaire, Gareth. Hey, what's happening, man? Oh. What a race that was. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. Excited right? to talk about it. Could have anybody predicted this? Really? No. Russia didn't suck. Whatever. Yeah, I guess. We'll get to your boxes. But, you know, <laughs> fair enough. I'm seeing head nods and, and head shakes. And, like, usually a total sleeper on the F1 circuit. I mean, honestly, I had Eric prepare a whole bunch of outtakes just for this episode to make it interesting. And sure enough, F1 screws us up for the second year in a row because the Russian Grand Prix was just wild. And dare I say it, an instant classic and possibly the best race of the year. And Phil is just salivating now because he, he wants to come at that. Oh. We'll debate that a little bit. But Professor, set it up for us, man. What is special about Sochi, especially knowing that we're going to St. Petersburg next year? What's been special about Sochi, if anything at all? Well, we're actually going to St. Petersburg in 23, not 22. And I have no idea why we're doing that. I think it probably has to do with money and the oligarchy and Russia and all that lovely stuff. Right. But Sochi is kind of a new track. I mean, it's one of the newest tracks out there. Started in 2014, it's racing around the Winter Olympic site. So they've got some use out of their old relics of buildings that they built for the Olympics. And it's sort of your modern take on a street circuit, except it doesn't have the beauty of Monaco or any of those other lovely cities that we go to on a regular basis. Fun circuit. Interesting, lots of straight. Uh, it's the only one in the world where corner one isn't a corner. It's a corner two and three are kind of a small tight chicane. And then you get into an incredibly long, 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 long corner. It just keeps on going. My God, that, that is an endless corner. And then you get back into your 90 degree turns uh, of a street circuit. 
it's one of those circuits that has suited Mercedes incredibly well over the last eight years. In fact, they have won eight times in eight years with three different drivers. Hamilton's got five of them. Bottas has two, and Rosberg rounding out the final spot. I have to confess, it's not my favorite track and never has been one of the races that I enjoy watching every year. Hence, this year, I thought, oh, I'll watch it on replay. And so I got all your lovely text messages telling me what was going on before I could actually see it. It was fantastic, gentlemen. One other fun fact about Russia. When was the first Russian Grand Prix held? Oh, it's got to be early 1900s. 1913. Won by a Russian, Gregory Storovin, and only raced one more time before the war, and that was it. So basically... Kind of befitting, a century passed for a century of wins. All right. Well, and on that, I'm going to leave it to you. That's not bad. Although, it wasn't run in Sochi back then, was it? No, it wasn't run in Sochi. It was run outside St. Petersburg. Yeah, okay. See that? But still, the nameplate still stands. So I'm taking from this, Phil, that Mazepin is not the most successful Russian driver to start a Russian no. GP. That's what I'm hearing. The, okay. Can, can you not remember Sergei Sorokin? There's actually a Russian driver that's won a Russian Grand Prix. Yeah. <laughs> We have a Grand Prix winner in the Russian list. It's amazing. I love it. Tell us a little bit more, right? Like a 90-degree turn, because I think for those of our listeners who just joined from watching Drive to Survive, like, what the hell does that mean? Like, are you just straight turning right? Like, what's the deal? Yeah, pretty much. You're coming close to a dead stop as a Formula 1 does when it's on a track, and then makes a right-hand or a left-hand turn, depending on the direction it's going. Now, on a street circuit like this, there's no bankings or anything like that, so it's just flat. Nice. Then tell us about the culture around Sochi and the foods we might try. You know, how is Sochi different from the rest of the country? And what are some of the highlights we might see if we visited the race? Well, you know what? We've said it already. The track is around the old Olympic Park where they had the 2014 Winter Olympics. Sochi is a little bit different than kind of what we may typically think of when we think of Russia here in the West. It's actually a very temperate climate. There are a lot of palm trees around. It's kind of the part of the country where a lot of the money might go if they're looking to get away from a cold spring or fall in St. Petersburg or in Moscow. I think Putin has a home here. So a lot of money, like a lot of the other places we go with this sport around the world, and supposedly a very nice place to see. So you're saying it's like the Russian Monaco? It's just like the Russian Monaco with a K, (laughs) yes. Seriously, gentlemen, I was trying to shut up on this one, but be quiet. Get back in your corners. My question to you, Spence, I I see it's on the Black Sea, it's wealthy, but is it like a Russian Monaco? Monaco? Oh, Monaco. Sorry, I thought we were talking about Monaco. Yeah, it's very different. No, 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 Monaco. Monaco, Monaco. Monte Carlo, if you will. Yeah, I think it's where a lot of the money will go to vacation, right? Kind of like Monaco or Monaco, depending on which side of the country I guess you're on here. Yes, but can you get up on Ricard there? I mean, just just ask Denise, goddammit. Ask it for a friend. Is this one of those places where you're going to see, like, high fashion and yachts and things like that? Like, what are we looking for when we go to Sochi? I don't know. A guy with a big fur hat, maybe. I'm not sure. (laughs) When you're kind of watching the race, they don't tend to get away from the Olympic Park that much. But, I mean, there are some mountains you can see in the background. It does look actually quite beautiful. I'm not sure if it's on the, my list of top 10 Grand Prix I would have liked to have seen, uh, but it does seem like a pretty interesting spot. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. G-Spot, let's talk tech specs. You know, is there anything that teams should have been setting up for in particular on this track? Like, what were they doing with wings and noses? There was all kinds of chatter about this before the race, besides powering units, which we talked about last week. 
Good question, Randy. But you asked a question about chatter during the free practice. Of course, I was moving that day, so I didn't see that. But a lot of the chatter was about the weather, the weather predictions, and what wings and what downforce levels was anybody going to try to run, both qualifying in the race. Obviously, if it rains, you need more downforce. And we saw some of that in the trade-off. People set up for a wet track, and they were trying to get that extra bit of downforce. And so when you say downforce, right, the wing is set so that the wind pushes the front nose down lower to get more traction? Or like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, downforce generally, upside down airplane wings. Right. That's effectively okay. what it is. They push whatever they're attached to down yeah. as the uh, airspeed increases, holding the car to the track. And that goes together with uh, some of the aerodynamic work that goes on underneath the car about accelerating air at different rates to suck the car closer to the ground. So it's being both pushed and sucked. Well, and, and that's fair. That's kind of what you want in Russia. But that said, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what's the matter, Randy? Come on. <laughs> that said, when you talk about downforce, upforce, things like that, right? What's the value of having downforce on the front and the same on the back of the car? How do you balance this stuff? Because we hear about balance all the time, and tire balance we know because our fans do this when they change out their winter tires and when Spence changes out his Pirellis for the Continentals he has on Other now, Pirellis. You know, or other you Pirellis. Your tongue. I've got, I have Michelins. We're still looking at Michelin for a sponsorship here. No, oh, awesome. Good, <laughs> yeah. So we'll be rolling like Michelins. But still, what's the value of the up versus downforce versus different parts of the car? Tell us a little bit more about this because I don't think the documentaries get into this kind of thing. No, because it's highly technical nerd level stuff. It doesn't make for great television unless you're watching the tech report on F1 TV. Having different amounts of downforce on different parts of the car will cause, and you said balance, it will rotate or turn in different ways depending on what forces are acting on different parts of the car. If you put more downforce, say on the front of the car than the back of the car, your front is going to grip up more and bite into the track more. You will have what's called the pointier, dartier car at least at speeds that the aerodynamics are working at. The back end will slide around. Some drivers like it that way. Some drivers don't. I think Michael Schumacher, Phil can remember, he liked a very pointy front end with a really loose back end. Very, yeah. Almost like a go-kart, he always used to say. Yeah. yeah. And it's just where you add the aerodynamic forces on the car to get it to change direction, because that's effectively Formula One is just who can change direction the fastest. That's effectively what it is. Everybody can go basically the same speed on the straights, so how much downforce you've got, but how fast can you get around the corners? Yeah, that totally makes sense. And so, Phil, like, before you even went into this race, like, talking even before quality even happened, what were you expecting to happen? Because you watched all of the Russian Grand Prix, at least amongst all of us. I think, actually, I've watched all of them, too, come to think of it. Still, you watched all of them. But like, <laughs> there were only seven before now. Right. No, no, Phil also saw a 1913 but he saw it on well, Kinescope nah, Cinema. This is it, right? He's been waiting I'm not that old, guys. To, uh... I'm not that old. I may act like it sometimes. So we've been talking about the Russian Grand Prix for about the seven years that it's been going on. I remember mm-hmm. like the first couple of times, you know, I was like, oh, okay, fine. This is going to be a boring race. What were you expecting out of this race? I was expecting it to be very professional. I didn't expect it to be quite as dynamic as it turned out to be. There were quite a lot of passes, really. And that, and that was because of the teams had they weren't the Mercedes wasn't at the front from the beginning. And I think that's what we almost expected from qualifying. You expected to see Mercedes up front. You expected them to be in the lead in the, in the race all the way through. 
And because Lewis had to follow somebody, because Bottas was all the way back in 17th spot starting, that created a little bit more of an interesting race, certainly, uh, and a bit more dynamic. And then the weather added a lot more to it. If it hadn't rained, and it hadn't rained on the qualifying day, and all the engine changes that people had done hadn't happened, I think it would have been probably one of the most boring races of the year. See, Gareth, that's what you get for buying Philadelphia rain dress. Like, what the hell, man? Like, what were you thinking? Hey, I wish he had not bought me the rain dress because I didn't want it to work. I really was. I'm not happy with the outcome. I'm just not happy with the length of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's all right. It, it, it's not, you're new to Formula One. So, like, what were you expecting out of Russia? You know, like I had watched the race last year and it was one of the more boring races that we had. And I was kind of expecting it to be more of the same. I heard a lot about Valtteri as a bit of a Russian GP specialist heading into this thing. So I was expecting him to do well again, expecting Merck to, to kind of be 1-2 or 1-3. And it didn't happen. And I think like Phil was saying, it's just mostly on account of the weather. You take that element out of quality. You remove Lewis having to get past Ferraris and a Williams and other things off the start, and it's not going to be, it wouldn't have been anywhere near as good as it was. So I think we're quite lucky we got a little bit of rain, and it did turn out to be a pretty interesting day, notwithstanding the fact that our guy Lando really took one on the chin. But overall, pretty good race. And with that, that's a pretty solid segue into everyone's favorite game. Eric, play the sound. So for those new to our show, Box, 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 Bingo, sees our panel makes some fully informed prognostications, which is perfectly fine because the points don't really matter. So before every race, our panel makes a series of predictions, some obvious, some outrageous, all completely irrelevant to the outcome of the race. It's like a weekly series of prop bets where everybody has a shot and Gareth always wins. And of course, it being his home race, we had to give Haas driver Nikita Mazepin in his proneness to spin or bin right in the middle of our cards because God knows I could not do that for any other race than this one. And frankly, all the races at this point had been won by the countrymen, and if Nikita won, I would have just been straight out mad. So each one of our panelists would have quickly run through their favorite predictions and let us know how they did on their bingo cards. Let's start it up. Professor Lewis made history, which I know you're rearing to pour cold water on. So Gareth gets the honor of talking about his picks first this week. So how'd you do, by on box number one, your predicted grid. How did you do, man? I, I didn't really fill out the predicted top five of the grid, quite frankly. So I, I didn't win there. <laughs> what? That's what about you, man? How'd you play out? So I had Hamilton, Botas, Norris, signs and gasly in my predicted top five for the grid so i did get a couple of those guys not in the correct order but they were definitely there gasly i don't think he was anywhere near the top five unfortunately our guy valtteri i don't think he even qualified that well and he ended up at the back of an engine penalty anyway so yeah i don't know half points maybe wasn't that great i don't even think you get that <laughs> sorry man so let's give you this one how'd you do I'm about the same boat as Spence on that because I've had uh, Bottas, Hamilton, Gasly, Norris, and Sainz in my top five. And, well, I only got uh, three out of those five uh, in there and certainly not in the right order. That's fine. So we give Phil 3,000 points just so we can catch up to Gareth. And Gareth, how'd you do? I'm going to win. <laughs> no, Phil, you just broke even. Yeah, this is, no, I was just a bit yeah. I, I, I've got the rest of them, though, guys. Gareth, how'd you do on that bottom five, man? 
Pretty close. Pretty close. Because, of course, we predict the bottom five of the grid, not the bottom five qualifiers. Right. So Leclerc, Verstappen, they both had engine penalties. Yeah. Michael Schumacher didn't get the other two. It says MSC on the thing. I'm old school. (laughs) And what we didn't see coming was the Bottas engine change penalty. I think that was a a late announcement. So I think that shagged up everybody's bottom five. So I'm going to take half points for that. Because it's close enough. I think it really did shag up everybody's bottom five. And still, you've got to complain about this because I know this pissed you off. What pissed me off? Sorry. Bottas doing his engine penalty? I mean... It's a ploy by Mercedes. I mean, that's what it was. It was to I got 8,000 points for would... predicting that, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. And I got the other 8,000 points for predicting how Verstappen <laughs> would pass him later on. So we're still even, guys. But no, I, this is a ploy by... <laughs> nothing like infighting on a radio show, guys. This is a ploy by Mercedes to try to hold up Verstappen, to hold him back so that he wouldn't take as many points as, well, he ended up doing in the end anyway. Yeah. So it was a cheap shot. At the same time, I'm sorry. I get it. I do. If I was in a team that was in that position, yeah, well, I'd probably make the same call. I think I would, but had I known this before we predicted, I personally would have put Ham down to the bottom just to outright for karma. I mean, why are you going to do bonus like that? Like, I get it. It is what it is, but like, really? Come on, man. Like, let the man race. Give a little bit of dignity. I got a very uh, outraged text from you at 4 a.m. my time telling me about that engine penalty. Randy was very upset about that. Yeah, <laughs> I was a little bit. I'm, I'm an F1 lefty. I get it. <laughs> it's just I would play. <laughs> I, I want the man to have a little bit of a chance. That's all right. How do we do on predictions for the race itself? So, I mean, I'm taking the win because wait, wait, everybody called Hamilton to win this thing. Really? What the hell? What, we did. what is wrong with yeah, all of yeah. you? We know how it's going to work. I, I will point out, Randy, you're the only one that didn't have a stopping in the top five on nope, race. Sorry. Yeah. Even you were. You even you had him at top five. Yeah. Gareth. Oh, oh we were, sorry. Him. Randy's the odd one out. He did not predict that. Obviously, completely predictable prediction. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. It, that's that's a foregone conclusion. How the hell did for stopping make it into the top start. five in this race? Like, and I blame Norris for that, but it is what it is. You know what? I was the only one, guys, that predicted the downfall of Norris. I'll just put that out there. So, I mean, I think I've got to take points for that. We're taking points for what's not on the table. Oh you the did predict now? the downfall of Norris. And I'm taking those points back because you predicted Gasly in the top five. So deal with it. And we just lost every woman that listens to this podcast ever. People don't do that. We don't have listeners. This is true. <laughs> yeah, there's no worry that It's my own amusement, guys. Other really predictable things that would occur. And yes, Spence with the Norris love has him not leading by turn three. Tell us, Spence. That was absolutely right. That was absolutely correct. That was absolutely right. That was true. That was 100% true. He didn't lead. Yeah, Sainz had the lead by turn two, right? And he held it for the first, I don't know. Carlos mugged him. Yeah, 10 laps or so. So that's right. Carlos did mug him. 15 laps until his tires got shot. Yeah. I'm 100% taking all the points for that. That's fair. We had MSC finishing ahead of Mav. Yeah, that's a fix by Haas. It was the only way that they could get Maz to finish ahead of his teammate. It's to create a problem where the team had to pull the car in. No, I'm kidding. Uh, obviously, that wasn't the case. Oh, Phil, I think your tinfoil hat's correct. Yeah, no. I would completely agree with you. We'll get into this in the radio calls, but all I'll say is this. No, it's not whiny enough. Brad. Yeah, exactly. I need to hear Gareth do it. Yeah. Brad. 
Brad was actually not calling Sir Lancelot's oh, race yeah. this week, believe it or not. He wasn't. There was somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Like, all right, so put your tinfoil hat on, right? Is Brad going somewhere else or is he just on vacation? I think he's just on vacation. Maybe he just couldn't take the whining anymore. Uh, <laughs> he's, on, he's on stress leave. No, I think he was on vacation. This has been a stressful season. I mean, these teams are running 20-plus races. It's not easy for them. they got to let the teams go home a little bit every now and then. Well, so let's talk about that for a second, Phil, because I think you're right. But then we're looking at, what, 23 races next year? Like, Yeah. Maybe. It's insane. I mean, I get it from a property rights ownership of Liberty Media. I mean, certainly it's the best way of making money, and that's what they're in it for. But, you know, 23 races, that's tough on the team. And to do 23 races still with the same dollar cap, that's just, I, I guess it's like whatever uh, government contracts ask an employee to do. Do more with less, please. Not going there. All right. Did we get him as a spin or as a Ben this week? I can't remember. I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't remember seeing one, but that doesn't mean he didn't suck and do something bad. He did have a really dumb defense on somebody where he almost put them in the wall during the race, which I think was pretty reprehensible. Yeah, well, leave it to Nikita to screw us up. So, all right, let's talk tire strategy. I take points on this one. Come on. I said we'd see the inches, and we did. I mean, everything else I said was wrong, but you know what? All right. All right. So I was predicting uh, safety cars this week, and it looks like I predicted exclamation mark safety car. So I don't know what that means. Uh, how drunk were you when you did these uh, posted? I don't know. A little, a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> I was like, oh, look, it's a Spanish safety car. Excellent. How about you, Gareth? How'd you do on this one? I predicted that whatever strategy Bodass was on, it was going to be compromised to benefit Lewis, including holding up Max and. Hey, you slap an engine penalty on him, send him to the back, but right in front of Max. At least they tried, yep. but we all know that Bodass can't really race, Aww. so it didn't last very long. It didn't even look like he uh, tried, though. I that's don't think he tried it, and that's actually my prediction. Down underneath that says the unpredictable thing that will happen. I Bodass will try to impede Verstappen for like one lap, maybe, and then he's just going to let him go. And ultimately, that's what he did. You know what? The idea is he has a contract, a multi-year contract for the first time in his career since he left Williams four or five years ago. He's basically saying, screw you, Mercedes. I'll do what I want. I like it. I like yep. it. I called the answers, at least, into mediums, which happened. I think that was right. And then, yeah, there was no safety cars. But it was a T-stopper, I think, wasn't it? Or more. By the time you do the answers, yeah. Yeah. I'm taking those points, damn it. That's 9,000 to me. <laughs> See ya. All right, so unpredictable things. What the hell happened? Because this was a race of unpredictabilities. Holy crap. Did anybody get anything right? Yeah, I called it Max last to the podium. Ah, dear God, you did, didn't you? T20 to P2. Full points. One million points. (laughs) It's a good million points there, Spence. Spence is trying to win this round. Well, I'm taking a half a million for calling that race resets the entire race, Brian. I just called it mid-race versus, like, the last five laps. So I'm taking a half a million off you because I got that one. I'll take three quarters of a million because I predicted a Carlando battle for their maiden win. It didn't <laughs> go race long, but it definitely went for the first phase of the of the race. And I really think had Ferrari's tire strategy not been garbage, it would have been amazing to see them both battling the entire race for their first win. But we loved it when we saw it. Still call North Fair taking enough. his maiden win and second consecutive race from McLaren. And he got that completely I wrong. I got that utterly wrong. 
I got and collisions you, in turn two. I got that completely wrong. So that's minus 22 million for you. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, but then I did get the Bottas call. Come on, I have to get points for that. So that's another 50 million I, right I, there. I, I'm ahead, finally. I already called that before you called it. You basically just plagiarized, Phil. So you committed academic dishonesty in this uh, podcast. No, 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 no. That was up there before you wrote on the oh, board, please. Gareth. <laughs> I would like to point out that Randy gets negative 80,000 points for uh, Danny finding the gear comes up the middle and wins. Oh, I'll... <laughs> I, I know you like Danny Rick and you're super optimistic. And I'll meet that with you getting negative 160,000 points for pressure getting to Hamilton and Merck errors in the race, which did not happen because the man scored his century race. Holy crap. That was incredible to see. Oh, we're never going to hear the end of it, guys. <laughs> well, Phil, he is the greatest of all time. It was like about time. Like, get that crap out of the way so we can actually have a championship because it was one of those things that like has been hanging over people's heads like a pendulum and a Poe poem. Like it was just crazy, but it's done. That's all I got to say. Wow, that's some great alliteration there. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I studied that. He writes these up every night. Yeah, not even close, but that's all right. That's all good. <laughs> well, next week, show us your box, box, box bingo cards as you join us. And making your predictions, if you make some great predictions that we like, maybe we'll talk about it on the podcast. Otherwise, just check us out at AskFlippinF1, and yeah, we'll talk to you then. So, let's head over. What you doing, Lewis? It's time to see what happened on the radio with What You Talking About, Lewis, where we talk about the week's best radio cars between driver and pit wall, some of the broadcaster's best moments, and even some of our own commentary during the text chat. And I see everybody but me had some stuff because I don't know if I was paying attention to this race or it was just kind of hanging out. What were some of the best radio calls for you? There were some broadcast calls. One that was pretty good. It was in the, I think, maybe FP1 in the summary. Crofty says, rear limited circuit. And then Anthony Davidson, uh, front limited circuit. Crofty uh, recovers by saying, well, Pirelli have got this completely wrong then. (laughs) So we don't know what they're referring to, but of course it was Pirelli's fault. Yeah, of course it was. What the hell does the limited circuit mean anyway? Just talking about how fast the tires on one end of the car go away. Yeah. Anyway, I just figured, you know, Slag and Pirelli, we always like to do that. Yeah. And I I quite enjoy that one. This podcast sponsored by Hankook Tires. Hankook, if you can't afford Continentals, buy a Hankook. <laughs> and there goes that sponsorship. And Randy will accept service at his personal residence. <laughs> the views expressed in this call are all the views of Randy Nanzad and nobody else. <laughs> all right, so tell us about your one call. Leclerc on a half lap trying to sort out something? Yeah, so if you have time, go back and, and find the lap. It would have been around lap 4850, somewhere around there where Leclerc is trying to, essentially was in the same position that Norris was in, trying to save his race on the mediums. And he's trying to work out with his race engineer whether or not he's going to box for enters. And it's absolute madness. <laughs> he's saying, I'm going to stay out. And then they're saying, no, no, box, box. And he's like, okay, box. No, staying out. Or we're going to be screwed if we don't stay out. No, box, box. And then he almost slides in the wall. And he has to find reverse. And it's just absolute madness. If you're looking for a good two minutes of laughs, like just find yeah. it. It's, it's very, very good. I box. No, you box. No, no, I box. No, no, no box. No box. No box. <laughs> yes, box. Box, box, box. No. Yes. Yeah. That was pretty much it. Yeah. That's good. Uh, <laughs> good impression. 
You've summarized it quite well. Uh, I get it. It was a brilliant moment. Phil, tell us about yours. Lando's stubbornness, because this was the race story. Like, this right here is the thing. This is really the one that stood out for me. I mean, it's probably more because of the result than anything else. McLaren made a radio call to Lando and said, what do you think we should do? Norris insisted, without even a hesitation, we're staying out to save the race. And my question is, what were the McLaren engineers actually doing? Because you hear everybody else at that time getting on the radio, rain is coming down heavier, it's going to be heavier for the next three laps, it's coming down heavier. Every team is calling the same thing. McLaren's team has what I can only decide is decision paralysis. Probably because, hey, we're in this zone for the first time in a long time. What are we supposed to do? Well, since last week. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean, Gareth. Not that, but his engineer is in this position for the first time. God, it has to be so precise with you sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Typical lawyers. So I can say. Typical lawyers. But he's in that situation for the first time. He should have been calling and making... Norris, the same way that Hamilton's race engineer said, box, box, Lewis, and reinforced it several times that now is the time to come in and get those tires. Mm -hmm. They didn't. And ultimately, that's what cost them the win. Fence, put on your tinfoil hat, right? This is the moment Phil didn't do it, so you got to do it now. You know, tell us, Fence, what's the conspiracy theory? Did McLaren get paid off to give up this race? Yeah, yeah. Liberty is in their pocket getting them to give up the race so that Lewis could get full points and take the championship lead. That's exactly mm. what's happening. Wow. Right yeah. yeah. Talk about it. Tinfoil hat moment there. Spencer. You heard it here first, oh. guys. That's exactly what it is. I would be more the other way that Mercedes went to Zach Brown and said, hey, you know what? We'll give you six races for free. Get your driver out of the way. That's more accurate and probably more what happened than, than Liberty Media messing in that level. But hey, no, I like the optimism. I I would agree with you, Phil. It was decision paralysis by McLaren where nobody had the organizational stones to make a call because everybody presumably has the same weather forecast. You have to come in. We see more than you do. Yeah. And I mean, that's a call that should have been made, right? For everybody, like it happened to Leclerc. It was everybody who finished in the basement and it happened. Lance Stroll, the same thing at Aston Martin, the engineer who is not Brad says, can you stay out? And Lance was like, exasperated rich kid yes and then the second later he spins and hits a wall and then you just hear box man (laughs) what i love of that whole segment was everybody's trying to keep at flipping f1 clean like none of you had the stones to say like what the hell was wrong with the clara not one of them balled up and said lando get in here particular fortitude was fucking missing randy (laughs) They don't have the balls to do the job. Now we're back to ourselves. The regular Ford Fat Boy. And now, essentially, McLaren will never let me into their center ever again. Yeah, All right, this is good. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. And, of course, you had the Lewis call. Or no, LSO, that's Lance. Yeah, uh, that was Lance Stroll where he hits the wall call I just talked about. Yeah. But there was one more great bit of radio. It's from one of the free practice summaries where Giovinizzi hit a wall or spun or something. <laughs> and you just hear his race engineer comes onto the radio, stop the car, we are losing parts. <laughs> it's like the most typical Italian car thing I've ever heard. And I was thinking back to the time Spence and I went to the Chicago Auto Show, and we were looking at the Alfa Romeo Julius. They wouldn't let us in them. And I think, Spence, you were on the hunt for something to replace the Audi at the time, and you were like, oh, maybe not the Julia. They lose parts. 
I wanted a Julia so bad. Quattrofoglio. Yeah, I just, I didn't want to become uh, on a first name basis with my mechanic. Or your tow truck driver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it was the perfect, perfect Alfa Romeo. <laughs> so I got to ask, like, what was the best part of our tech chat over the weekend? Because there was a lot going on, man. Like, there was all kinds of people sleeping in, people missing it for church. There was rain and such. Phil just threw back his head like, fuck, just leave me alone with my, you know, Anglican worship, leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be bad if it was actually true, okay, Randy? (laughs) You know what? It's got to be the the constant bitching at TSN (laughs) for always going to bloody commercials. Like, TSN has got to help us out here in Canada. It cannot be in commercials. Every time you turn around. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. If we're going to do this, we just need to pony up $100 a year and pay for Formula One TV. It makes a big difference. I have it, but it's just my TV is right there. It's so easy to just turn it on. But yeah, I need to start. So stream to it. Welcome to the 21st century. Yeah, I don't know. I'm cheap and nobody's sponsoring this podcast, so I haven't paid for it yet, but it's <laughs> You know, I'm stealing TSN from my parents, which lets me watch races on the weekend. So <laughs> I deal with the commercials. Not anymore. Could those guys make worse calls on the commercial? I'm like, seriously, like find an intern that likes Formula One to work on Sunday morning. Like, for Pete's sake. Randy, I've been watching Formula One on TSN for 30 years. This is the first year I've stopped watching it on TSN. And let me tell you. 30 years, they have not been able to figure out when to put a commercial right. Yeah. So, Guys, I watched it on ESPN a couple of weeks ago, and it was night and day. Yeah. ESPN yeah. did the whole race commercial free. It was much better experience. This podcast brought to you by Don't Listen to Flippin' F1 on CTV. Yet another sponsor, by the way. <laughs> no, you know what? I really claim the win on the group chat, right? Because I sent a meme out to all y'all. That's this guy sitting at a table with a sign that says, if Hamilton and Verstappen are tied at the end, they should do a 20-lap race in a Haas to decide the championship. And I was like, oh, my God, that is the greatest idea ever. Yeah, that one was pretty good. And they have to arm wrestle first for who gets Mazepin's car. <laughs> so that was pretty good. I also like the one you sent, Randy, which was from a fake Gunther Steiner Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> where, where, he, where he said, it seems everyone wants to start at the back of the grid. Are the engines on fucking sale or something? Brilliant. This carries on when we're starting from pole. And I don't have the handle to credit that to anyone, but that was very funny. <laughs> yeah, I came across a couple of my channels. I love that yeah, one. Yeah, I think that was pretty brilliant. And that's the brilliance, right? Send us your favorite uh, F1 meme at, at something F1 on Twitter. Uh, and eventually we'll just show it to Garris because he's a Luddite like that. So You'll have to scan it and email it to me. Please. At least it won't go down this week, so that doesn't matter. <laughs> like I said, for you Facebook fellas, at least we got to stay with the race. So it was almost more consistent than TSN. Anyways, so like our mamas always taught us, if you can't say nothing nice, say it about Mazepin. Turn there. Oh, and another spin. Uh, but it's Nikita Mazepin. So it's time to play Mazaspin, where each of our panelists takes a negative and spins it into a positive about the race. This week's rule, just because, frankly, I'm the host and I get to say so, is that whether you like him or not, you need to say something nice about Sir Lewis Hamilton. 
because he's accomplished a historic feat and you need to say something nice about him and that's what I'm saying. Otherwise, take a negative from the race, turn it into a, something positive from the audience, as small as that might be that we can take away from the race. So, Phil, I know you've been rearing to do this game. Say something nice about Lewis. Well, especially since you've <laughs> added rules to this game, I am not impressed, let me tell you. Because my something nice was going to come at the next segment. But I'll do it now. I'll say it now, you know. I have to give him props. Yes, 100 wins is an amazing feat. I may not like his style, but that's always left to interpretation. My spin actually today is actually about Lando and, you know, the fact that Lando and McLaren... Hold on a sec, because the dead air everybody else just felt was all the rest of us having a heart attack. I'm just saying. <laughs> you did what? All right, talk Lando. <laughs> do it. I'm talking Lando. I'm talking the negative in this case of where he, he didn't make it. It's a true sign he got so close. He can actually do it. And I think the confidence is there for this guy to, to be a Grand Prix winner, to be a multiple Grand Prix winner, not just a one-off. And I think with the McLaren getting their stuff in order, hopefully, we've got some great things to come in the next couple of years with the proviso that the upgrades that they have for next year actually make sense. Yeah, right, good. I'm going to call an audible. Gareth, say something nice about the Astons. <laughs> <laughs> People who drive Aston Martins are complete dicks. I was <laughs> biking this evening, and there was somebody in Aston Martin in High Park, which is a bike-friendly place, with his four-ways on, blocking a bike lane. And I made a comment to him, and he swore at me, and Aston drivers are all dicks. But Seb Vettel is not. Seb Vettel is a lovely human being who, after he left Red Bull and he came around, he started collecting garbage and helping bees. We all love him again. So that's uh, that's the nice thing I'm going to say about Aston Martin drivers. Yeah, you know, Stewis is a pretty good uh, combination. I kind of like that. All right. Anything else? Any positive spins from Madison? There weren't a lot of negatives take away from the race, except, you know, some people got screwed over by their own team's lack of intestinal and testicular fortitude to call them in. And hopefully that results in more teams being more decisive telling the drivers to shut up and having some better strategy sometimes. So scientists listening, we went from testicular fortitude to intesticular fortitude, mm -hmm. which means somehow in this race, people's gonads somehow found their way backwards. And I don't know exactly how oh, that I happened. Intestinal, intestinal. <laughs> and then recalled Phil's comments about stones and gonads. And figured testicular was also appropriate. There's a curling joke to be had there. But Spence, tell us about your negative things that you're spinning positive from this race. All right. Well, our guy, Nikita, he was, you know, I think the last runner that actually got the checker. Not great. But, you know, let's put it in perspective. He was, again, the top Russian at the Russian Grand Prix. So, I mean, I think that's something that the home crowd can, uh, can really get behind there. Anyways, whatever. Don't ever do that again, Randy. And, you know, if you're going to ask me to say something nice about Lewis, what I'd say is he got win number 100, and he did it without having to put anyone into the wall this time. So, you know, props to him. Now that is a great way to spin it, Spence. I love it. Yeah, Wish I had stole that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll take mine. Holy shit, Lewis listened to his team. What the hell happened there? So that's my positive. See, there you go, Phil. I can do it. No, 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 no. You can't claim that. He missed the first call. 
They were out you in the pit lane. They called him in. Wait a minute. Are you uncalling me saying something positive about Lewis that's actually negative? Yes. Like, I think you need to say something negative about Lewis. Well, he missed the first call, but then he actually got there because <laughs> nah. he... Yeah, right. what, what the hell? You, I mean, again, this is not where I think Lewis should have won this. And I've been saying this the whole weekend, right? Like, fucking karma. Like, this was not the place that Lewis should have won it. And he won it because a rookie made a bad call. And you know what? That's fine. Whatever. It happens. And let that be cheap for... 100 wins is a wicked wicked achievement and i think that but i just think this was not the way that it should have happened and not the way he wanted it to happen so yeah that's me saying something negative about lewis that said something positive hey look you know what we saw the old men you know we saw seb we saw aloe race through some stuff that they probably didn't like and saw aloe make some calls that i actually think are right you know what I think that the stewarding is kind of a little bit, you know, out of whack. And a call here is not a call there. And I'm pretty sure F1 is hiring stewards and FIFA. Yeah. So, okay. I agree with that. I agree with what you're saying to a degree, but I don't agree that. Wait, 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 wait stop there. Stop that, right there. What did you just say that again one more time so I can relish No, 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 no. I only say it once, especially when I'm recorded. You can play that back a few times for you, okay? Uh, but I'm only ever going to say that once to you. But. I don't think he was making that choice when he missed the turn, all right? I don't think he was thinking that when he said, I'm not going to go through those barriers the same way. I think afterwards, totally, that's a fair argument, and that's a completely fair argument that you made. Sure, you know, the stewards are playing favorites with certain teams and, and certain drivers, and it's becoming more visible. And I'm glad that there are other people who are willing to stand up in the sport to say, hey, you know what? This isn't right. So you uh, you agree with Fernando that the stewards are favoring certain people who are doing the exact same thing that other folks are doing? Totally. You see it at the punishments of anything that's coming down. They're not being supremely consistent. They're being somewhat consistent, which is a fantastic legal argument of I'm being consistent, but not really. The punishments aren't the same. Examples, Philip. The punishments aren't the same. We talked about this at the last race, and I hate to go back to it. A 10-second stop-go penalty is not the same as a, a three-place uh, three grid drop. <laughs> is what you're that was the phrase I was looking for. <laughs> Those were different circumstances. Yeah, yeah, they're not the same. Sorry. I mean, I, I listened to some Fernando interviews today, and in, in today being the Thursday of Turkey. Yeah, he pointed out the bloody inconsistencies in the whole kind of track limits and how they're applied and when they're active. But then he went overboard and was like, and well, I might get punished or I get different stuff because I'm not this nationality. I'm like, you know, Fernando, you took it too far. You pointed out the flaw. You exploited the flaw and you pointed it out after telling Michael Massey multiple times, apparently, this approach to track limits is dumb. But then he goes too far because he's Fernando and it's all about him. Okay, but these are F1 drivers. They're not lawyers, all right? You know, they're allowed to be passionate and make their opinion. All right. You know, the fact is the rules are ridiculous when it comes to track limits because they're not they applying are, yeah. them consistently. If the track is I the agree. track, you're either on the track or you're off the track. There is no in-between. Either every corner, that white line is the track or it's not. Well, actually, every corner of that white line is the track, but then they have exceptions to the track. Well, that's what I mean. All right, so Spence, you gotta... not the track, so don't give me that crap. Yeah. Spence, you got to ah. jump in because you've got literally the best post-it of the mural 
So you just got to read it out because, man, that just made me laugh. Well, well, first I'll say I think Aloe is it's an efficient breach, right? Like he realizes that they're not enforcing track limits on the first lap, which means they don't exist. And he's fucking going for it. Good for him. Like he is showing how ridiculous the approach to this is. He's exploiting exactly, it. and that's fantastic. Yeah, until someone tells him to stop, right, or they change the approach, I mean, you should keep doing it. As far as I'm concerned, right. I mean, like that was a really egregious example of it there with that. That was turn two, turn two, three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was something else. But in any event, I think the other thing that I'm going to say here, Randy's asked me to look at, is where I called the professor, the president. <laughs> Of the butthurt nation. For, yeah, it's not everything is against Red Bull, although it would appear that the pit stop changes really have been targeted at them. If you haven't seen it, The Race has a great video on YouTube posted yesterday, which was, I guess, October 6th, uh, talking about how Red Bull's gone from first to last in certain aspects of uh, pit stop since they instituted the new system after this was hungry somewhere on the midway mm-hmm. point of the season highly recommend everyone check that out and to dovetail on that the race also had a wonderful video about what alonzo did with that corner in the track limits as well that was posted a few days ago as well yeah and that's fair phil do you have any complaints about the stewards or the penalties or other than what i said is that they're consistently inconsistent and I, I think there needs to be a reevaluation as to how F1 is using them and how F1's using the system. But hey, I know rules have to be there, otherwise how can you say there's a race or not? I understand that principle, but I think there's I'm sorry, the rulings and as of late have consistently been hurting Red Bull. They've been favoring Mercedes. But this has been an ongoing issue for the last couple of years even. And good for Mercedes. There's a positive on that side. And it sucks to be Christine Horner. I mean, for that reason, and because he's a ginger. Well, and let me ask you, Gareth, because you're our technical guy and rules junkie. I mean, are the rules less consistent than American caught with steroids? Or is it one of these things that you just apply every year? Sorry, USTFA. The rules are consistent. The application, let's call it the trier of fact, is not the same. And there's some variance, potentially. All right, so I'm just trying to talk plain language for like those of us who watch Grey's Anatomy. The rules basically have no... What, uh, what is Grey's Anatomy? I don't know. It's some show about lawyers that are doctors or something like that. I have no idea. But, uh, okay. <laughs> you know, are we saying that like the rules just simply have no real consistent application and that's what's screwing up board a little bit? I haven't done a kind of case-by-case analysis of the recent application of stuff. It seems to be relatively consistent. and you kind of drill down into the rules and Phil was banging on about, well, three-place grid drop is not equivalent, 10-second stop and go. But there were two different penalties in that case because of where they happened and how they happened. And one was within the race, one was after the race and all this other stuff. Could it be more consistent? Absolutely. Yeah. Is it better than it was in the battle days of, was it Jean-Marie Balistrade, who's the president of the FIA, really jerking over Ayrton Senna for Alain Prost because Prost was French and Senna wasn't? Heck yes. So it, it's always going to be a political morass, quite frankly, and it can be better, but it's better than it was, which is a real non-answer. I know. I just want to say this. I'm interested to see how this season is going to play out because I, you just made a 10-4 hat sign, two hands over your head, so do it, man, do it. My 10-4 hat moment is that 
this season is designed to put Mercedes as the number one winning team in consistent history and to make sure that Hamilton gets that eighth world championship title. That's yeah. my tinfoil hat moment. And everything, every ruling that is coming out seems to be heading that way, albeit in a subtle manner, because they don't want to be too overt in doing it. And I, you know what? That ruins the sport when you start to think about it that way. So I'm going to counter with my own tinfoil hat moment, although it's so subtle as to not be overt, which is an argument of, well, nobody else can see it, but I can. So Phil has joined QAnon for F1. <laughs> My tinfoil hat moment is Liberty Media would probably rather that Max wins the championship. Max draws in a younger demo of fans that we're seeing and that they want. You want Lewis to be still chasing that eighth championship next year when the rules change. I think that sells more eyeballs, tickets, sponsored, sponsor dollars. I don't think so because I think they want to set a standard. And I think if Hamilton wins his eighth world championship, it's going to be a long time in history till that happens again. He's already won the century, and I'll talk more about what that means for the, for the sport in, in the future segments. But I think they want him to win this because it's going to capsulate his history the same way that Michael Schumacher's seventh Grand Prix World Championship capsulated his history. And, I, and I'll be honest, we go back, we're talking back in the Ferrari days when they were dominant. There were the same arguments being made about tinfoil hat mm-hmm. moments and, and the FIA encouraging. Formula One to ensure that Ferrari won that seventh championship. So let's close out this week's episode with our usual winner wins. All of us have dropped three things into this group chat that you enjoy, were perplexed by, or simply just downright irked with from this race. So, of course, let's start with you, Andrew. Tell us your winner wins for this week. All right. Well, I'll start with my team observation, and that has to be McLaren again. Uh, Second race in a row, these guys really showing great form. The package is a good one, and they've got two very capable drivers that are uh, certainly Lando's been getting the most out of it all year, and Danny, I think, is just starting to come around. So, Look for big things from those guys in the last day races. I think including a pretty good result in Turkey. My overall venue impression, I said, look, this is one last hurrah for Sochi. Maybe the best race we've seen there. I don't know what the the professor and Randy and Gareth, what you guys think of that. But I mean, certainly of the ones that I have seen, going back and watch them on F1 TV, it's probably my favorite that I can remember. Uh, I don't think this thing happens again. I think they ripped down the Olympic Village and it's done with finally. So. <laughs> yeah. So this goes back down to like, you know, Hedonism 7 or something like that by Sandals <laughs> or whatever. None of that village exists anymore. You've been looking for it, have you, Randy? Yeah. By the way, Sandals, if you want to sponsor us, Hedonism 7. <laughs> On that note, my one future of this sport thought, you have to take your hat off to Sir Lewis. Uh, 100 wins, absolutely incredible. We will not see anything quite like this for a long time. Uh, certainly Max looks like he has you know, the best chance of kind of making an assault in that number down the road. But, I mean, who knows what's going to happen when the rules change next year. So, I mean, I think this is going to be a bit of an unassailable position for, for quite a while to come. And next race, what are we, what are we looking for? We all know it's going to be a full weekend of talking about turn eight. It's quite a turn, guys. Get ready for it. 
all we're going to be hearing for the next three days. Okay, so you can't set that up and not talk about what the hell's going on and turn eight, Spence. You know what? Someone's going to lose their head. It is just one big, long, sweeping turn. It's like kind of almost three turns in one, I think. And it just, it really is quite something. They take it at full speed. And you are going to hear people talk about it every five minutes now until we get the checker flag in Turkey. All right. Bill, when'd you win this week? You know, I think kudos to Max. Last to second, that is a recovery. It's fantastic to see. The rain, yeah, it spoiled the race a little bit. I have to give props to, to Hamilton. 100 races, century. Yeah, that's going to last. It's going to last until the next formula comes into play and the next dominant team comes into play. Got to think about this, guys. We're used to, in the history of Formula One, 16, 17 races a season. That means, yeah, it's going to take them 100 to 150 race wins for a team to get that one person to get that century, right? When you think about teammates and all that stuff, and that's a decade, right? Mercedes has been, for the better part, the best team of the decade. When you start calculating out, you've got 23, 24 races coming in the next couple of years consistently. If we have a team that dominates, we're going to shorten that time span, and this is my analytical nature, from 10 years to six. So can that record be beaten? Absolutely, if somebody gets it right. And I'm looking forward to watching that. Leave it to Phil to apply Moore's Law to Formula One, but all right, fine. Hey, it works, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> yes? Overall, I think it's an illustration of how close this season is. I think we're, we're watching one of the best seasons I can remember in, like, basically the last decade. And we've got two-point spread between first and second in the championship. Max took an engine penalty, but was able through the rain, yada, 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 and skill to go from last to second to minimize the impact of the engine penalty, which ought to have Mercedes shit in their pants, quite frankly, because Lewis will probably have to take an engine penalty at some point. And can he minimize the damage that way? You don't know, but it's just an illustration of how close the season is and how, let's call them evenly matched on a good day, those two drivers are. I think it's absolutely fantastic. My venue thought is uh, Sochi is still an ugly and boring track. I hope it does get torn down and made into a seaside resort, as Randy predicts. Future of the sport, yes, Lewis, greatest of all time, yada, yada, yada. But I'm actually more excited about Lando and McLaren. We've seen two great races on, three if you include Spa from McLaren and Lando. And I can't wait to see what they do next year in the new formula. Oh, and thinking about the next race in Turkey, are we going to see some more rain? I think there's a prediction for rain, and Fildo, you got to stop dancing. Uh, no, nah, I'm not dancing, because actually that prediction is very minimal. It won't rain on race day. You really think he's going to stop dancing after you bought him that skirt? Come on. It fits his hips so well. Yeah, that catches his waist just so, man. Come on. You really mm. think he was going to stop dancing after that? Like, And it's so low cut, it shows off the belly button jewelry he's got. How <laughs> <laughs> did I get to be the punching bag of this group? I don't understand. But anyway. All right. So my winter win, and since I didn't get my notes on the board, everybody else wrote mine. So let's see here. I love that. I had the observation that McLaren really is showing up as a team. And, and of course, I love Spence and I love McLaren. So I'll, I'll take those. Dax, have my babies with Lewis because I know you love him as much as I do. 
and you just simply He's so refuse to admit that you love him as much as you do. And my last call is, who the hell is Phil to talk about Sochi as anything other than this wicked seaside resort where we get to have Hedonism 7 next come up, and, and that is the deal. Frankly, I'm stoked for the Turkish Grand Prix. I don't think it's going to be the rain-soaked ice rink that it was last year. I think a lot's going to change, which means that we're going to get a great race. I don't think that Mercedes is going to take an engine of this race, because I think it would be stupid to do it. Like, of all places to take the hit, this is not that place. You know you can run this track. You go at it, have fun, and let loose and see what happens. And so we'll see what Valbot does, and if finally karma kicks in. But if not, then, you know, another Lewis win is great, and frankly, I'm super happy. Congratulations, Lewis. 100 races, that's awesome. You know, let's see how hard it is to get to 101. From then on in, no other numbers matter, right? Like everything else is just what it is. It's like those people that are like, oh, the millennium didn't happen until 2001. The year didn't start at zero, so 100 is not counted as the real century. 101 is the real century. And of course, Phil's now shaking his head because he knows those people are, are right there saying this thing. I don't know what bullshit you're talking about now, Randy. That's all I can say. Someone asked Randy's wife to take away his drink. Exactly. <laughs> and so that's it. Get in there, fellas. The checkered flag drops on another race week. We had a great time breaking it down. I hope you'll join us in two weeks. In fact, less than two weeks because we're coming up on the Turkish Grand Prix just on the weekend because we recorded this late. To those of us listening in Canada, this is a Thanksgiving weekend. So let's say happy Thanksgiving to all of our Canadian family and friends and to our American friends. I don't care. So say happy Thanksgiving, everybody. So happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, all. Yeah, say happy Thanksgiving. Turkey for the turkey weekend. If you like what you heard, please throw us some stars. Even better, please follow us at at F one Tweet out the link to this broadcast. Invite a friend to listen with you next week, and we'll talk to you then. Southern F1 is edited by Eric Wellman, who makes us sound great and far funnier than we actually are. 